Good morning. I hope you had a great day yesterday. We did. My uh, my brother's Tim, my brother Tim's oldest son Andrew got married, and so we tied that knot yesterday afternoon and sent him off, and then we went over to uh, Ross and Lois's house and uh, had a little birthday party. Uh, I I happened to turn 50 yesterday, which my dad announced to all of the people at the wedding. So, uh, but uh, we, had a, we had a really, really good time. Uh, for those of you who don't, uh, I think most of, most of you know us, but just in case, uh, my name is Dan Nelson. Uh, my wife, Melinda, is here, and we have three of our kids. Is Karina not here? Oh, Karina went, took to, Karina went to, we have Diana, our oldest. Uh, she lives in the area and, and works here. Adrian just graduated from high school, and he's going to be going out to Torchbearers Academy out in Winter Park, Colorado, uh, for a one-year Bible program. Uh, Marcos is learning how to fish, and he is really ticked at me that I haven't bought him worms yet. Well, we're going to have to get some worms uh, probably tomorrow. But uh, he has been doing his best to catch weeds off Lois's dock, and uh, I think he did catch one fish, right? Yeah, okay. And Karina, our other daughter, is at Liberty University. She's uh, in Virginia for the summer. But it's good to be all back as a family. We don't get to do this real often. And so uh, it's good, and it's good to be here uh, with, with family as well. We're missionaries in Mexico, Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, halfway down, kind of towards the Pacific side, about three hours from the coast. Second largest city in Mexico, and uh, we do church planting there. Just to give you a real brief update, we're uh, just about two weeks before we came up, we had a presentation in our church. We we planted a church there, uh, which is which is up and running. It's called Factor Fe or Faith Factor, uh, translated in English, and and uh, they've been doing well. We've been since we went back last January. We've been working alongside of them. I've also been doing some some training at a Bible school and uh, mentoring some church planters, but uh, just two weeks before we came down, we announced in church plans to launch a daughter church, and uh, we gave an open invitation to people to sign up if they wanted to be, felt God was calling them to be a part of, uh, part of our church, the, the new church plan is going to be Faith Factor South, Factor Fe Sur, and we're going to be kind of moving south outside of the city a little, little, area, little ways, and uh, we had 20 pe- 25 people sign up. So we've got a, a core group, and our plan is between now and the end of the year, we're going to be working with them and kind of laying some of the foundation and, and some of the groundwork. Uh, then, first part of next year, we're going to come back for a quick, we call it home assignment, but we'll be back in the, in the U.S. for about six months, and the idea is that we're going to take a shortened uh, furlough or home assignment for six months so that we can go back and then spend four years getting the church off the ground. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to, to do that, but you can be praying, uh, praying for us. But we're excited. It's, it's, so we've got a great team. Uh, we're going to, August 6th, 7th, we're going to have a meeting at our house with the 25 that signed up. It'll be our first meeting. And I'm uh, just looking forward to, to starting to plan and dream about what is God is going to do. So we appreciate your, your prayers. Uh, just a little note on Mexico as well. A lot of people ask, uh, so are you safe? And uh, so far, yeah, uh, there, there are some drug cartels that are still very active. 
about three months ago, they blockaded 19 streets by just stopping buses and trucks and cars and setting them on fire. And all in about an hour and a half, two hours time. Uh, but we got word, we have a friend who works at the consulate, and uh, his wife sent my wife a text, and, and so we knew to stay home and, and didn't see any of it, and actually had fun kind of <laughs> having a family day at home. So uh, you just kind of roll with those things, and, uh, but, but uh, we're, we're careful uh, about where we go and when we go there, and, and, uh, but God is, uh, God is still working. And so we appreciate your, your prayers, and we appreciate your partnership with us as we uh, continue to, to work in, in Mexico. Uh, I get to speak on Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Somewhere in the Psalms. Sounds like a great, great time. I'm, I'm sorry I'm only here for one Sunday uh, to be a part of this, but uh, I, I think I got the best, uh, best deal. Um, psalm 23 has been one of my favorite Psalms since, uh, since I was little. In fact, I can remember when I was four years old, my mom... Uh, had me memorize Psalm 23. It's, it's a very vivid recollection because I, I remember memorizing that verse, verse 4, where it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that sounded kind of dark to me and a little bit scary for a four-year-old. I, I wasn't really sure what to make of that. Uh, and, and I remember memorizing that and wondering what it, uh, what it meant. But, uh, but it, is some, it is a psalm that has been comforting to me at that time and, and to this day, uh, I still uh, am comforted by this by by the words in Psalm 23. It's it's a passage that that I read very often if I'm visiting someone in the hospital. Um, I have read it to people who are on their deathbeds, uh, right before the Lord has taken them home. I've read it to family after, uh, immediately after the Lord has taken one of their loved ones home and uh, gathering around uh, a hospital bed or, and, and uh, uh, just trying to f- put together some emotions and, and figuring out where to go from here. And, and, uh, and the words of Psalm 23 are very appropriate at, at those times. Uh, it's, I, I know it's a passage that is probably one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. Maybe John 3.16, more people know that one, but... But apart from John 3.16, Psalm 23 is one of the most well-known passages, and, and for good reason, uh, because it brings a lot of, of comfort. So I, what I want to do today is go through the Psalm 23, and we're going to be talking about the God of tender care. We're going to be seeing God as a, as a shepherd. Now, before we get into, uh, into the, the, the text, uh, the passage, we need to remember who's writing this. Remember, this is David, is, is the author. Uh, David, prior to becoming king of Israel, was a shepherd. And uh, that was his job, was taking care of the sheep. And when Samuel came to, to anoint David as king, they had to send for him because he was out taking care of the sheep. And uh, so he, went, he had been a shepherd, but he had become a, a great warrior and a great king, one of the greatest kings of, of the nation of Israel. Uh, he was a man of, of a lot of passion, uh, not always directed in an appropriate way, <laughs> but, uh, but he, was, he was a man of, of great energy, uh, and uh, we, we see him in Scripture. You know, one of the things I like about the Bible is when it paints us as heroes, it, it gives us warts too. 
And we see those in David. And when he failed, he, he failed, what do you say nowadays, epic failure? Uh, that, that was David. Uh, but, but he also loved God. And, uh, and even at the end of his failures, he, he came back to God, and, and God calls him a man after my own heart. Is God's description of David. Well, David is re- writing this song, and it's a poem or a song that they were singing, and he's using it to describe our relationship or his relationship with God. And it's interesting that, that even though he's a great warrior king, and he could look at God as a, as a great general or a military or, or think in kind of those terms or as a, as a great leader, as a, as a king and, and, and governing. He, he could paint God as, as, as someone who's a, who's a wise king, but he chooses to go back to his time as a shepherd and, and to describe uh, his relationship with God as a, as a relationship between a shepherd and his sheep. Now, uh, part of what I'm going to be sharing today, uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about sheep, and I, I got it from a book. I, I, found, I found this book. It's uh, the author's name, Philip Keller, and he has a book that's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And so a lot of what I'm going to be sharing about, I, I, I don't know much about sheep. Uh, I've never uh, shepherded a sheep. I've shepherded well, I've been a pastor, <laughs> so I kind of understand some of what David is talking about. Uh, but Keller in his book, he was, a, he, he was a, a shepherd, a sheep owner in East Africa uh, for a large part of his life. And so he was around sheep, and he took care of sheep. And he wrote this book kind of giving us a, a, a firsthand view of what a sheep are like and, and what the job of a shepherd entails. And so a lot of what I'm going to be sharing comes from his, uh, from his book. So let's start, uh, and we're just going to go through. The first verse uh, starts off, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now, I, I believe what David is doing here, he's, he's, he's probably, he, we know he's a pretty good writer, and what he's doing is he's giving us his thesis statement. When in preaching class, they called this the big idea. And, and so he's given us the big idea up front. He's given us a summary statement, which the rest of the chapter is going to follow and is going to develop. And, and, and basically, what he's, 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 he's right there. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, now here's something I want us to look at. Uh, David, who had been a shepherd, he'd been a warrior, a great military man, a king, is describing his relationship with God, but, but instead of talking as a warrior and as a king, he, he talks about a shepherd, but, but he's turned the tables because even though he had been a shepherd, he now puts himself, this great warrior king, as the sheep. And God is the shepherd. And so this leader of men as he looks at his relationship with God, he says, you know, in this relationship, I'm, I'm the dumb sheep. And God is the shepherd. And, and, and if God is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Now, Keller in his book talks about, about sheep and how dependent they are 
on their owner and on their shepherd to, to, for whatever they need. Uh, uh, sheep are very vulnerable. They're, they're very needy. Uh, there's a lot of enemies that, that can attack them, uh, both uh, predators that, that would come in and, and, and would want to kill the sheep. Uh, also, there's, there's other dangers. You've got cliffs, you've got holes, you've got uh, rivers, you've got uh, bad bad food, uh, noxious weeds that they can eat and, 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 and get ill. And, and they're, very, they're really not very smart animals. And so they depend very highly or very much on their shepherd for their protection and for their maintenance and for their, for their well-being. My, my kids are here. And, and they would tell you that one of the things that I've tried to teach them is how to be independent. You know, we try to do that. We kind of value that in our, in our culture. I think it kind of comes from our history. Uh, we've had settlers that, that came over. We, you know, we had the Wild West where you kind of were, had to learn how to be a, be a man or, you know, or woman or whatever, but you had to defend yourself. You had to fight for yourself. No one gave you anything. And so you, we, teach our, we try and teach our kids and we try and teach ourselves how to be independent. And I think a lot of times we do ourselves and our kids a disservice. Because the picture that we're going to see here is not a picture of independence. Uh, quite the contrary. What we're called here is to not be independent, but to be dependent on God. The message, of, and, and it's going to be repeated over and over again. And, and I think we do ourselves and our kids a disservice. Sometimes by trying, we push them so hard to become independent. What really we should be trying to teach them is how to be dependent upon God. If David, this great warrior king, knew that he needed to depend on God, we should learn that ourselves. By the way, this isn't part of this passage, but I believe the Bible also teaches us that we're not called to be independent. I don't see a lot of independence in the Bible. I, I see dependence on God, and I see inter, interdependence on each other within the body. Uh, and that's, a, that's a sermon for another, another day, but, but we're also called to be interdependent, to bear each other's burdens. Uh, I don't see a lot in Scripture about us kind of going off and conquering the world by ourselves, uh, even though we kind of value that in a sense. Uh, in, our, in our culture and in, in our communities many times and in our families. Instead of being independent, we need to learn to be dependent upon God. When we go to verse 2, verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Uh, Keller talks about, about this, and he says that sheep, will only lie down if they're free of four things. Okay, sheep have to be free of fear. They can't be afraid of an animal. If they feel that there's a predator that's, that's nearby, uh, they will not lay down. They also need to be free of tension between members of the flock. They will not lay down if there's some headbutting going on between a, between a couple of rams in the flock. Uh, they need to be free of irritants like flies or parasites. Uh, one of the big dangers for sheep are, are flies. Many of them will, will be around the face. We'll see that when we get to anoint my head with oil. 
Uh, one of the things the oil does is protect the, the face from these flies, which can kind of get in the eyes and the nose and actually lay eggs in there and kind of gets, we won't get into details. Uh, you can read the book if you want <laughs> uh, to read something like that. But, but free of irritants, and you also need to be free of hunger. So if all these conditions are met, then a sheep will lay down. So we see here a picture when, when it says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. We're, we're seeing that, that the shepherd, God, creates for us an environment where we can be free of these, of these fears. And, and it's not that these fears are not real. They are real. Uh, but the, one of the jobs of the shepherd, or one of the things that the shepherd does, is provide an environment uh, where, they, where a sheep can feel like he can lay down. Uh, sheep also need water. Uh, now, they don't need a lot of water. A lot of times they get their water just from the dew on the grass. By eating the grass, if it's, it's, if it's got dew, they'll get enough water. But, but uh, sometimes if there's not water, they'll go and they'll drink whatever. And in fact, they'll drink from a polluted puddle if, they, if, if, it's, if it's handy. And many times we'll get sick. And so, interestingly enough, one of the things Keller uh, shares is that most watering places are actually created by the shepherd for the sheep, intentionally. He'll, he'll carve out an area. If there's a river, a rushing river, the sheep won't drink water there, so he'll have, find a way to get the water away from where it's kind of a quiet, or, or sometimes he'll dig a, a pond or something, or get a well. Or, but most of the watering places for sheep are actually created by the shepherd, and, and he makes them. And he's worked at building these watering places so that the sheep can, can drink. So what do we see here? I, I believe that what we've seen here is that it, it, the picture we have is, is of a shepherd who provides for our basic needs. We're talking about food and water here. Okay, you, you don't get any more basic than that. But he provides for our basic needs, but he provides for it in a safe manner, in, in, in a way that we, we, can, be, we can be free of fear and, uh, and, and, and feel protected. Verse 3. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. He refreshes my soul. If anybody understood the need for having their soul refreshed, it's It's David. Uh, as I mentioned before, he was a man of great passion, uh, but he also was a man who had some epic failures, big time. Uh, his family blew up. You know, his son Absalom went chasing after him. At one point, he, he committed adultery and actually murdered the, the husband of, the, uh, of Bathsheba, Uriah. And, uh, and so he, he was a man who was at times in need of having his soul refreshed. One of, one of my favorite passages in Scripture is Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is, is a psalm that David wrote after he was confronted by, by Nathan, a man of God, about his sin with Bathsheba. And what you see in Psalm 51, we don't have time to go into it today, but Psalm 51 is, is the cry of a soul that needs being refreshed. It's a cry of a, of a man who has sinned, sinned deeply, uh, but is repentant and is calling out to God to renew his spirit, to refresh his soul. Uh, I, I commend you. 
to, to, to read Psalm 51 and take some time, especially if you're, if you're going through some struggles uh, in your life. Uh, now, in caring for the sheep, there's also a parallel here, and, and Keller shares this in his book. And it, apparently, I, I didn't know this, but uh, sheep are prone to be in a situation that, that he described in his book as being cast, or it's also sometimes called cast down. And basically what it is, is a sheep might be laying down in a little bit of a hollow or almost or a little bit of a slope. And especially if the sheep is a little bit overweight, there's a danger that the, that the sheep will, will, will kind of get out of balance and actually flip upside down lying on his back. And so his legs are sticking in the air and just flailing. And, it's, it's, and that's called cast down. It's actually quite common. And one of the things, they're not able to right themselves by themselves because of their center of balance. They will, they will lay there unless a shepherd comes by and, and puts them back on their feet. Now, it's, it's also quite a dangerous situation because, because of the circulation and also because of the digestion of the, of the sheep being on its back. If, if, if the sheep is not put on its feet within a, in a couple of hours, the sheep will die. Uh, just because of its circulation and especially its digestion, it just kind of kind of suffocates and, and things don't uh, things don't function correctly uh, inside. And so, one of the jobs of the shepherd is to go around looking for sheep that are cast down, that are kind of flailing with their on their back with their legs in the air, not able to get back on their feet. And, and the shepherd will come along and put the sheep back on its feet rub the circulation back into his legs and, uh, and make it whole uh, again. So the, the picture we have here is that when we are cast down, when we're going through those times, many times of our own making, where, where, where we, we, we're on our back and our feet are in the air and we're just kind of flailing and we, just, we can't get back on our feet, uh, whether it's because of sin in our life or or, or, or oppression, or, or something that has gone on, God, or the shepherd, comes along, picks us up, and puts us back on our feet. Verse 4 is the one that scared me when I was four. Uh, but it's actually very comforting as you, as you read it. It says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You can think of a, of a shepherd taking his sheep. Uh, sheep can overgraze an area, and so they'll be grazing in an area, and they've, they've, got, they've pretty much eaten up the good vegetation, so they need to go to another pasture, and the shepherd knows where to lead them, but he's got to go through this dark valley to get to the, to, to the other pasture. And, and there are all sorts of dangers that can, that can attack sheep. You've got predators wild animals that are looking to kill them. You've got pits. You've got cliffs over which sheep can fall. Uh, there's poisonous grasses and weeds which can make them ill if they, if they eat them. And, and one of the jobs of the, of the shepherd is, is to take them through these dark valleys. Now, now notice here. I, I think this is important. You know, God doesn't promise us to protect us from bad things all the time. Uh, if you notice, the verse says that we're going to go through the dark valleys. 
And, and he's good, but and the, the, the promise is, is that going through these dark valleys, the shepherd is going to be walking alongside of us. One of my, one of my favorite passages is Psalm 46. Uh, in, uh, in, in, in Spanish, I think better, better than, than English, it talks about God being a fortress and also a refuge. It uses those two terms. And, and as, as I was preaching on that once, I, I, I thought, you know, the, a fortress, if you're, if you're in a fortress, I've never been in a fortress. I've been in some pretty nice houses, though. And if, but if you're in a fortress, if there's a storm outside, you probably don't even know it. If the windows are closed, you, probably, you may hear some thunder, but it's like it's way off in the distance. But you're inside a fortress, and you don't have to worry about it because you're protected from the storm. You've been put inside these walls where the storm can't hit you. And sometimes God does that. He puts us in his fortress, and he protects us from, from bad things. But he also says he's a refuge. And what I picture with a refuge is, is maybe, maybe you're out in nature... And there's a storm going on, and you find this little cave, kind of just in this little carve-out underneath a rock. And, and you're right in the middle of the storm. You're feeling that wind because it does blow into the cave, and you're getting some rain and maybe even some hail that kind of comes in as the wind blows it sideways in on you. And you're seeing the lightning, you're hearing the thunder, and you're jumping every time that thing cracks. And you're, you're, you're feeling you're right in the middle of a storm, but God has put you in his refuge. So you're, he protects you through the storm, even though you're feeling all the, 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 the attacks of the storm. And I believe God does both things. You know, sometimes he says, you know, I'm going to protect you from this. You're not going to have to worry about this one. Sometimes he says, you know, I'm going to walk with you on this. I think of my sister, you know. Uh, almost 20 years of, of being bedridden and, and having heart trouble. Uh, she's gone through some storms. And I've prayed many times that God would protect her and heal her. And he's chosen not to do that. Uh, but uh, but he, she has had God walk alongside of her. And, and he is a refuge. Even though sometimes he chooses, chooses not to put us in his fortress, but he's going to protect us. I, I see the same thing here in verse 4. As we walk through the dark valleys, the promise we have is that he is going to be alongside of us as we walk through the valley. We go to the, the part of verse 4 that all the, pa uh, the parents like. Your rod and your staff, uh, they comfort me. Now, shepherds have two tools that they'll use. Uh, I've got a little picture here I found online that kind of shows you, shows you what they are. The, the rod was a, a, a slender stick that they usually, was like a little sapling that they would dig up that had kind of a ball where the roots grew out of. And so they take the roots off, but they leave that ball on there. So it'd be a stick with a knob on the end, and they'd kind of get that polished down. And they would use that, to, they, they could throw it and use it as a weapon to, to throw it at wild animals that came by. Uh, and, and sometimes they'd use it to, to knock one of the sheep on the side of the head if he was being a little ornery or needed a little bit of a correction. Uh, so the, the rod was, was a weapon that was used against predators, but it was also a disciplining tool that the shepherd would use on the sheep if, uh, if he needed correction. 
The staff is what we normally think of when we think of a shepherd. You know, it's got the crook on it. And it's interesting, uh, Keller talks about how shepherds would use that, that crook. For instance, if you had a newborn lamb uh, that had gotten separated from its mother, the shepherd would use the crook or the, the staff to push that little baby lamb closer to its mother because he didn't want to touch it because he didn't want to get his smell on the, on the baby lamb. Uh, so that the mother might reject it. And so he would use that, that, that crook to kind of nudge the lamb closer. It's, 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 the shepherd also is kind of, kind of long, and so he can use it to kind of tap a sheep over here and over here if it starts to get out of line. You can see in the picture there, he's, got, he's picking up a lamb that's kind of gotten into a ditch, and so he's reaching down. Instead of climbing down, he can hook it with, uh, with that crook. And so what we see with these two tools is that the tools of the shepherd that the shepherd uses to discipline and to guide us. And both of these, both his discipline and his guidance, the passage says, gives us comfort as he protects and guides us through life. Verse 5. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Uh, no, notice again, we have the presence of enemies. Okay? Uh, we saw that in verse 4. We also see it in verse 5. Uh, it talks here about his healing touch. You anoint my head with oil. Oil was used to, to put on wounds, to put on bites or scratches from, from thorns. Uh, I mentioned earlier it was also used, they would pour it on the head of the sheep because that's where the, the, the flies and, and would, would come in and want to lay their larvae either in the eyes or in the nostril of the, of the sheep. It's something that, that is, is very common uh, from what I understand. And so the oil would be kind of like a repellent for these bugs. And so they would pour the oil over the head of the sheep uh, to protect them from, uh, from these, uh, these irritants and, and the bugs. The, the, the cup overflows, my cup overflows, Keller talks about how when he, was, when he was a shepherd, he always had a bottle and it had water with a little bit of brandy in it. And what he would do it is if, they were, if it was cold, and many times, especially maybe in the early morning, the sheep were out there and they would get cold and get chilled and, uh, and stop moving, what he would do is he would take some of that energizing fluid, just get just a couple of spoonfuls, and, and pour some of that water and brandy into the, in, into the sheep's mouth. And he says it wouldn't take very long, and pretty soon that sheep was up running around and, and, and jumping and playing with the, and eating with the rest of the, rest of the flock. Uh, so what we see here again is God pouring into us his energy. He's protecting us from our enemies, and he's healing our wounds. We get to the last verse. I think this is probably one of my one of my favorites. It says, "Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life." I heard a preacher preach on this once, and he says, "It's interesting here. You, you don't you, you don't have to go looking for goodness and love. They follow you. Surely goodness and love. You don't have to." Even if you run away, they're going to follow you. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
you know, if you look at, look at Psalm 23, the, the shepherd has now taken us through the course of life. He, he's with us when, when, when life is breathed into us. He's provided for our basic needs. He's protected us from the enemies that, that, have been, that, that surround us. Uh, he's healed us when we've gotten scratched and we've, when we've gotten wounded. And now the picture here is of, of a sheep, of a person who's lived a long life and is not sure how much time they have left on this earth. And, and the promise is, is that he's going to take us into his home for the rest of eternity. And, and the pun there is intended. The rest of eternity. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Well, the question for me that I'd like to ask you this morning is what aspect of the shepherd's tender care are you in need of today? What is it that, that you need to look to the shepherd and depend on the shepherd for? Uh, are you struggling to have some of your basic needs met? Look to the shepherd. Do you feel like you're surrounded and attacked by life's enemies and by the challenges that life brings? Look to the shepherd. Uh, are you in need of, of guidance? Or, or are you in need of a little knock on the head, maybe? Look to the shepherd. Uh, are you wounded? Are you scratched? Are you bitten? The shepherd's got some oil for you. He wants to pour it on your head. Have you lived a good life? And you're feeling the weight of your years. And you're not sure how much time God has for you. Look to the shepherd. He's got a spot for you. Right by the heart where it's going to be warm and where he's going to even take better care of you than he has for all these years. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful song that shows your tender care for us. And Lord, we acknowledge that that we are like sheep, even though we like to think of ourselves as big, tough people. But Lord, teach us to depend on you. And help us, Lord, to, to look to you as the Good Shepherd. And Lord, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your healing. We thank you for your protection. And we thank you for the eternal hope that you give us of spending eternity with you. Thank you, Lord, for these words of comfort. Help us to apply them to our life. In your son's name we pray. Amen.